Blog Talk Radio. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear Tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. from this past weekend and what we have coming up in the future. I want to bring on my guest, uh, I mean, my, my co-host, uh, my partners in crime, uh, Craig Moore, Chad Taylor, and, of course, Ms. Lee Reed. How are y'all today? Hey, everybody. We're doing. Hello. All right. Well, I'm glad that... Uh, Y'all said something because I realized that I was on speakerphone. Can y'all hear me now? Can y'all hear me okay? Yeah, I heard you fine. I can hear you fine. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about here tonight. I have accidentally called in on the wrong phone. Uh, if somebody can take the wheel real quick, let me get called in on the right one so my AirPods work. Go ahead, Taz. Uh, race weekend. Well, things did not turn out like we had originally thought, but KFB is the big story this week. I don't know what else. Well, that would be Kyle Bush if anybody listening doesn't uh, know who that is. Kyle freaking Bush. Oh, no, we're yeah, but how about, about, about Chastain? Chastain dominated was the uh, first two stages. Yeah, it looks like Trackhouse is uh, picking up right where they left off, too, from last year. I mean, we can't – again, this is one intermediate super speedway, and we're going to have uh, two more within the next coming week, next couple weeks. Uh, but this is looking like we – Looking like Trackhouse could be picking up right where they left off from last year. Miss Lee Reed yeah, and Pat Taylor, you're ex- you're exactly right. My bad, Craig Moore. I, I just wanted to let you guys know I'm back in here. Go ahead, sir. All right. Yeah, I was uh, about halfway through the race. I was kicking myself in the butt for uh, not picking Chastain, and I still am. Um, you know, with a top five finish, 
that that team has not let off the accelerator since Phoenix. So uh, good to see that their their Cinderella story, if you will, is continuing. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like a Cinderella story. Um, you know, Suarez has been in several positions uh, to win, and we know that based off of the rest of the – and I'm not going to shorthand Daniel Suarez's talent ability, but we, we know that he's not an A-plus driver. He, but he's definitely capable of getting solid top ten finishes week in, week out, similar to what Clint Boyer and other drivers that we love uh, within the sport. He's definitely not classified as that A-1 driver. But with the consistent finishes from him – and Ross Chastain up front every single weekend. I mean, it's track house is a powerhouse, and and you know those of us who doubt it, well, you know it's time to it's time to pay it back. It's time to give uh, credit where credit is definitely uh, due. And Craig, uh, to answer why we start out with that every week, it's really funny because I just I just said to my wife, uh, we start uh, every dirt race. I've ever done with a prayer. And uh, so, you know, there we go. So uh, I, uh, We have tried something different this year, and uh, I started the season out with with the prayer before the show. Uh, I don't know. Showing homage to, to what it's like to be in the dirt track life. But uh, we've got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. Kyle Busch, of course, I think we've already mentioned his name about 14 million times. Uh, I have seen that he is now favored for the championship. Or no, no, less than favored for the championship. I think he's like in the five spot or something like that. But he's favored this weekend at Las Vegas. Uh, big story or not, I, I don't know if we were ready to – I mean, of course we picked Kyle Busch to win the Daytona 500, right? I mean, it's just – it's time for him to win it. But I don't know if those of us really, really expected to see this quick of success. Like, I mean, put all of it to rest. And, guys, as we ponder this great idea that Kyle Busch is going to be the hottest race car driver uh, out there on the speedway, there's also the consequences of what if they blossom too early, right? Who's set flowers out? Uh, a little bit too early in the springtime, only to have some super storm come through and kill your vegetation. I'll, let's start with that, guys. How about that? Well, you know, we all know that Kyle Busch is a good driver. Right? I'll go as far as to say a great driver, okay? What remains to be seen and I think we touched on this a little bit in the past, is if Pop Pop is going to put his money behind Kyle or if he's still still going to keep coddling his grandkids. That's, that's a good toss-up there because – that's a good toss-up there because, I mean, he could still fall behind Austin. I don't see as much behind Ty Dillon being that I think Ty said that said of himself at one point that he wanted to step away from uh, Grandpa's shadow or something like that and kind of go his own direction, which is why he is doing what he's doing. Um, but if 
But it's a tough call because, I mean, if you were RC, if you were Childress, you would want to really back Kyle Busch because he he's bringing the truck team that can help bring uh, younger drivers to your organization through Xfinity and Cup for years to come. And as far as Austin Dillon, I mean, that's your grandson. So it's really a toss-up, I believe, anyways. A 28-race winless streak. Craig Moore. Craig? Oh, Craig, sorry, I had you on mute. <laughs> yeah, I did. I hit the mute button. Um, hey, it happened. I got I got the dogs out on the porch, so I was trying not to let you guys hear the yapping. No, his uh, you kind of knew going into you kind of knew going into California that that Harvick was going to be or not Harvick. I'm sorry, uh, Bush was going to be out there for a win. Getting back to what uh, Lee said, I, I think that I don't think he's going to peak too early, or you said that, Chris, I apologize. I think now what you're going to find is he's going to be consistent, and Dylan is going to have to step up his game. Um, I think Dylan can learn a lot from Kyle, and, you know, Kyle Kyle gives him – Kyle gives Austin his flowers when he, pre- when he said in uh, Victory Lane, uh, thanks for Austin giving uh, – getting this set up. So we'll have to see how their how their friend, friendship evolves or dissolves based on Kyle's finishes versus Austin's. I think exactly. sooner or later, I think Austin's going to start crying once uh, Kyle strings together a couple more victories this season. Uh, then I think you'll see the dynamics at RCR change. That's, that's great, Craig. And I think what what I'm fearful of here, guys, is that we've tasted the apple a little bit too soon, and the fruit's not going to be as juicy this week, and it's not going to be as juicy the next week. And then all of a sudden, what we would have had or considered to be the honeymoon stage, it's going to become sour pretty quick. It's kind of like getting, uh, a, I don't know, I don't want to go there. Uh, <laughs> we're all adults here, so, you know. Um, you know, I could see this falling apart. And then, you know, at the same time, uh, what happens if Austin Dillon, who's strung together some decent finishes himself, all of a sudden, you know, Kyle Busch finds himself uh, with not as good of equipment and maybe Austin Dillon running ahead. I don't know. The the future is going to, you know, be the tail sign here of how and what goes on. It's hard to – sit here on a show and predict how that's going to happen, but I like the success, and I like the early uh, surprise. I'm I'm not going to sit here and deny the fact that I'm surprised he's won already in the second race out with RCR. I knew the RCR cards were strong last year, and I think there was a lot of doubters in the beginning that, hey, what if he's going to kind of subpar equipment, but maybe subpar was before this, uh, this, this car, this current car that we have. RCR was really strong last year. Tyler Reddick put the uh, eight machine into victory lane three times. Um, so, you know, it really, but based off of how Kyle Bush is, I just, I, I, once again, I'll go back to before we go to something else. 
uh, or I would love for you guys to comment on this, uh, that maybe, you know, success came a little bit too fast. And what if he goes on a 12 or 14 race stint? Look at Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick really, he, he, he was able to put all that aside because he come out and he won again, right? He, he was on a long drought, and then all of a sudden he was in victory lane, and then boom, he, he, he yeah, oh, well, great, you know, but when's it going to happen again? Oh, it happens the next week. Right. Uh, that, that, that proves he's not in a drought anymore. We're not past the drought stage yet for Kyle Busch. I mean, he had a dominant car, but he had a dominant car at Daytona, too, and it got rigged. So not always does the most dominant car uh, win the race. Thoughts? I think if Austin, and, and this is, it's going to be interesting because Austin's a prima donna, and so is Kyle Busch. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. which, point, which of them? Great point. You know, if if Austin can humble himself enough to learn from Kyle, then RCR really could become the dominant team. But that all depends on on whether or not Austin can humble himself enough for that. If he if he plays the prima donna, then it's all going to go down in flames. Yeah. Um, I think in the, I'm on the side with here with Miss Lee. If Austin Dillon can, can, you know, get out of grandpa's shadow and become his own. Um, I think, I think he'll learn a lot in the aspect of Kyle Bush in the sense that, um, yeah, you can come through the racing industry through family and family money and that type of deal. But if you don't put in the work yourself um, and make yourself your own, then nobody's going to look at you um, the same way that people look at me. I mean, Kyle Busch turned himself into a talented driver. He also has brought in a number of sponsors, and he's also ran for top organizations such as Hendrick and Gibbs, to name a couple. And Austin Dillon could have that potential, too, if he just got out of the shadows. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Austin Dillon is who he is, right? I mean, he's a, he is a typical uh, five, seven to seven win uh, type career driver. And those are successful drivers. Like Jamie McMurray has seven career wins. He's pretty successful, right? I mean, you realize how hard it is to win these races is what I hear continuously in this sport. So, um, you know, we give credit where credit is due. Austin Dillon has found a way to win in the sport. Can he handle being the backseat guy? Based off the mustache, exactly. I would almost I would almost believe that he feels like he's pissing Kyle Busch right now, right? I mean, hey, look at look at this. Look at this new toy we got over here. Look at this cash cow. Look at this golden goose. 
that we yep. have. And when that kind of attitude starts rolling through the shop with a superstar caliber driver, Kyle Busch, I hope old Pop Pop has things under control. Or uh, Kyle Busch may be uh, looking for some, uh, he may be head hunting in his own garage. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, Kyle's gonna, and I'm, and I mentioned this in the um, in the thread either yesterday or Sunday. I honestly think that Chevy could have the last laugh when it's all said and done when it comes to Kyle Busch. You look at what Kyle Busch has done over the years. He ran with Hendrick and Chevy. They brought him in. And then he goes over to Gibbs and Toyota for a number of years. And eventually comes the Kyle Busch Motorsports truck team, which sets up Gibbs in the longest run of the entire development system from, um, I'm going to throw in, uh, I'm going to throw in a, ma- a major league baseball reference here. Essentially the cup series is your majors, right? And, Gibbs had a team in the minor league system in the AAA. He had nothing underneath AAA unless he went to the rookie league. Well, when Kyle Busch's truck team came along, he now had um, he now had the the majors, the AAA, um, the AA, and then basically. Uh, Basically, the, the single A or rookie league, however you want to look at it. And since Kyle Busch has left, Gibbs and Toyota, RCR not, is now in control, pretty much. And Gibbs now has to go back to square one. Well, I think Gibbs RCR still does and Chevy have the longest team, a better jackpot. But Gibbs does still have an ARCA team. But the problem, the question is going to be, where can he feed his ARCA drivers into the next step without going straight into Xfinity? Right. And he doesn't have another driver to help him out bring dri- um, bring drivers to the system. The truck series is really simple, guys, because you're you're all racing the Ilmore engines. Um, you know the badge on the front of it is the only Toyota racing development. I mean, it's decals only, right? So uh, these trucks, all of them have the same motors in them. Thor Sport or any of these other uh, race shops can can be the uh, uh, the the staple for their driving development program. In ARCA, I'm not sure. Are they, are they on a standardized motor in ARCA as well, Miss Lee? I'm yes. not really sure about that, yes. but of course they are. Yes, They're they the are. engine as well. Yeah. So basically the, the TRD development stage in those two, in those two classes is by, by driver only. So they're, they're basically, they're funding the driver. Uh, and, and so uh, they can easily make any of these teams uh, in the in the truck series or ARCA, part of the TRD Joe Gibbs Racing Development, right? And so I believe that TRD is really trying to get away from the 
Joe Gibbs is Toyota type thing because that's why they brought Denny Hamlin on, along. That's why they're, uh, you know, rightfully scouting another team right now to come to Toyota because they don't want all their eggs in the basket. I have a major prediction here tonight, a major prediction about Joe Gibbs racing and the future of it. And I'm and it's burning me, but I'm gonna, we're going to just leave that as a tease. That's going to be later on. But I, I do want you guys to know that I honestly feel that the table may be a little bit rocky in that area of Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, the guy's kind of older. Uh, I'm giving it away. I'm giving it away. We'll, we'll put the brakes well, on that because we do have to talk about the actual race. And then we'll get into our hot topic section and then, of course, black flag, checker flag and all. But, but I think you guys know where I'm going already. And, you know, that's, you know, once again, we're talking about expansion and Toyota racing development. We're also talking about Chevrolet. Chevrolet's always had their own development drivers as well, and Ford has too. We are forgetting that Kyle Busch and Casey Kane were both Ford development drivers before they wound up at uh, Hendrick Motorsports and Casey Kane, of course, at Everingham. So they were Ford development drivers before they were ever employed by by Chevy and or Toyota. Miss Lee. I was just going to say, and, and, you know, you want to hold off on talk, talking about this for a minute, but I've got an, an idea of what TRD could potentially be looking at as far as expanding the feeder system. Definitely share that with us. I would like to know where you, where, what your thoughts are. Well, it's only logical. Twenty three eleven. Yes. Yes. And that is a big brand, right? I, it's really weird that Toyota's like they're, they're they're still entwined with these celebrity sports stars and their and uh, their and their race shops. So Joe Gibbs, a former coach, Michael Jordan, of course, uh, he's the goat of, of basketball. So. Uh, two wow. names that are recognized around the world, right? Right? I well, mean, that's... Uh, you know, yeah. bringing... You know, with Miss Lee mentioning that, you, if you think about it, Levine Family Racing and Furniture Row, in a way, were kind of like that feeder system to Joe Gibbs. Yeah. Because you look at Christopher yeah. Bell and Martin Truex Jr., where were they before Joe Gibbs? They were with Toyota, just on a different team. Because why? Because Gibbs didn't have room for them until it, drivers left or retired. If we want to go that route real quick, I want to make I want to make it very clear. There is a there is a thin line between success and failure, and there's a reason why Levine failed, and there's a reason why Furniture Row failed. And now there's a reason why Tony Stewart was successful and Denny Hamlin will be successful. And can anybody on this panel tell me why? Craig, I would love to hear I would love to hear. All right. Recap that for me quick. Because it was all yeah, there's, there there's 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 four teams here. Two of them were very were uh successful for a minute, then fell apart. There's two of them that are going to be continued success. 
<clears throat> Levine and Furniture Row have fallen away, side. Stuart Haas and Hamlin's race team are 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 blossoming. Tell me the reason why. Money. Money. And exactly. Money makes cars go fast. Money so is the and, Go ahead. You're gonna get it. Money, I know it. Come on. Money is the end all be all. In any in that sport in in racing period, the more money you right. have, the better your equipment is. The better your equipment is, the more of a contender you are. The better drivers you can get. Uh, it, it's pretty and simple. Family money to... and family money come from blood, sweat, and tears. Correct. Correct. And Denny Hamlin and Tony Stewart's money come from what? Racing race cars. You see who's got more to lose? Who's got more to lose? Levine. Furniture Row. Right? That's why they're not in the sport anymore. Because they do not have the name big enough to bring somebody else's money into this sport. And they were not going to lose their generational wealth in race cars. Tony Stewart made his wealth in race cars. He expands his brand through race cars. Denny Hamlin, following the very playbook that Tony Stewart wrote. That's the difference in success and failure in NASCAR. If, if your name is Earnhardt or your name is Tony Stewart, then you're going to be able to attract these sponsors even when you retire. And we've watched that for decades with Richard Petty. Is this not the point where Richard Petty was told, okay, you're not really, <laughs> you're not really needed anymore, King? There's a new king around. His name's Kyle Bush. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to say something controversial. Please, somebody else take the panel. I'm, I, I'm doing too much. Um, anything else to hit upon with Auto Club? Um, thing I can think of is... With Auto Club? Uh, uh, with the, the review of the race, right? That's where we're supposed to be at because we've got Hot Topics next, and we're like a couple of minutes away from that. Uh, yeah. Review. Did anybody see the Xfinity race? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I didn't catch the highlights. All I heard is that John Hunter Nemechek uh, was the class of the show. Yeah, he put a good ass whooping on. Uh, any any other thoughts from uh, this past weekend's race at Fontana? We'll get into the farewells and all that here in the hot topics. Uh, but uh, of course. It, Let's do a quick rundown, right? Uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson did not have a very good race, did he? Neither did my guy Willie B. Who's that? What happened here? Yeah, I was. Uh, it was a little shocking to see. Um, well, I, it shouldn't really be a shocker, but um, who, you never know with these cars. But with the no practice, no qualifying, probably shot Larson in the foot um, for that team in the sense. Because once they had the mechanical issue fixed, they were running right with um, the front runners for the most part. And we could have possibly seen a repeat of Chicagoland of Kyle versus Kyle. 
But we'll have to, we'll have to wait on that story and see if it repeats itself again. Uh, yeah, Kyle Larson got some bad mistake. Uh, he had some mechanical issues. Uh, Willie B had issues too. Somebody hit a cat. Did anybody hit, hit, hear that? That there was a cat run over. Uh, quite a uh, few wrecks. Yeah, I heard. I saw something about that. Someone thinks it could have been Ryan Blaney. Yeah, I believe they have uh, physical evidence <laughs> of the black cat that. Uh, Talk to Speedway for the last time. Uh, that's the only thing that was the last time at California Speedway, the track formerly known as California Speedway, now known as Auto Club, also Fontana. Um, so as we open Hot Topics, anything else? I think we're done with Okay, throw that out the window. All right, all right. So now let's go to Hot Topics. Of course, uh, very first thing from the door, when I said, what's the topic this week? I, and I swear, I, I told Craig Moore that I, that I thought to, just to make that the title of the show, uh, that Kyle Bush gives the finger to Gibbs. And so we will start out as the first hot topic of the night. Kyle Bush gives Gibbs the finger. Craig Moore, I want you to explain to me why you feel like Kyle Bush just gave Joe Gibbs, the finger. All right. So the reason that Bush did not re-sign, was not able to re-sign with uh, JGR, the, Joe Gibbs said it was because they couldn't find sponsorship and it was money. Well, lo and behold, Richard Childers Racing finds all these sponsors for him. And I'm sure he Childers didn't pay him what he wanted, but I'm sure it was close, and it's already paid off. So, and he didn't think it was going to happen that quick. If I remember what he said in his post-race interview in, his, in the media scrum, he said, I didn't feel it was going to happen this quick. I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't think it would be this quick. So it's that was pretty much a variable screw you um, to Joe Gibbs that, yes, he is marketable. People do want him, and he still is a race winner. So in my eyes, that was a big F you to Joe Gibbs, uh, or as I call him, the not-so-Christian car owner that he claims to be. And then Lee expounded on it a little more, so I'd like to – Everybody to hear what Lee had to say. Miss Lee. We may have lost Miss Lee. Hold on. Okay. We uh, have her back on. Okay, Wait. I was going to say, I'm here. Um, I've been reading some things over the past couple of days that have really made me question and and we've discussed this in in, in our chat um, that 
Joe, Coach Joe did not really expend the energy and the time and the money because he wanted wanted to bring Ty up. And somebody and, and, and I don't remember if this came up in the in the in the actual thread that we were having or if it was something that I read that um coach was willing to pay Kyle's salary out of his own pocket, but he wasn't willing to pay what Kyle was asking for. So I found that to be, you know, rather interesting. But, yeah, I, I think this win was all about saying F you to, to JGR. You know, look, I've got it, and with the right backing, I can do it. But does this win mean anything if he had won in the number 18 car? Would this win mean anything? Well, yeah, it would still mean something because, it, you know, it ended his winless streak, but it wouldn't have meant as much as it does with the change of teams. Right. And I agree. I think, you know, a win is a win. And it would have been great if it was in the 18. But now that he changed teams, and nobody, I mean, and Taz is right. We've heard this before. Uh, when Larson came back, nobody thought his would happen so quick. I mean, theoretically, you're going from a, you're going from a B uh, level team in uh, what is Trevor one Carson or uh, Larson race for up to the major leagues in Hendrick. So it means it means more that he was able to do it starting over in a new team, new car, uh, new manufacturer than it does totally different. I figured he would win quick. As a matter of fact, I picked him to win to 500, so I was just a week late. Um, I, I think it means – I think it – I think it is. It's, it means more, I think, this time around than it did for even Larson. Dad, get in here. Like I said, I feel like we've heard this similar story of a top talent driver joining a new team and sending, basically sending some sort of statement and Also, um, the storyline of we didn't think he would win this quick. And we said this with Larson, as Craig had mentioned, uh, a couple of years ago when he went from Ganassi to a year off, basically, and then joining Hendricks. Kyle Busch, although did not go the same route as Larson did in a sense, um, he's going from Gibbs to RCR, which you're basically going from an A, I would say an average A, not A minus, but I don't want to put A plus, an average A team 
to basically an average B, maybe a B-plus team. And in the sponsorship sense, um, Gibbs is, and we talked about this before, Gibbs sponsorship uh, deal is similar to Penske in a sense. They keep the same, like, what, four or five sponsors, and you keep the same paint schemes pretty much. And when M&M's was dropping out, it was basically like, oh, shoot, what does Gibbs do? And whether the effort was there or not, uh, we may or may not truly know. But when it came to RCR, at least the loyal sponsors to RCR were there, even when Tyler Reddick left, because you still had 3G, you still had Bet MGM, you still have, um, I know I'm missing one, I think Cheddar's. Um, and then Lucas Oil came into the picture. And they came into the picture after Kyle Busch signed with the team. I think, but, I think we're forgetting, though, about Monster Energy here. Did Monster Energy have had any influence on the decision to run Kyle Busch out of the door? Well, that's a good question, considering that they were Ty's major sponsor from ARCA on up. They were also Kyle Busch's sponsor at one time. Right. I think he Ty also had for his own, energy drink. He dumped, him, he dumped him for his own energy drink called Rowdy. Yes, he also dumped uh, uh, the one that you just said as well. He went to Monster Energy when he had his Xfinity team. At the time, it was called the Nationwide Series, I believe. Could there have been bad blood between Monster Energy and and could Monster Energy actually step up and sponsor in the cup with Rowdy Energy Drink already being a sponsor? You know, it makes you scratch your head because you know Monster Energy was willing to write the check. How many, how many, how many cars does it sponsor? You know, plus it's a, a sponsor with so Monster writes a big old check to NASCAR. Maybe Monster Energy had more to do with this than what we'll ever believe. It's funny you mentioned that because Monster was with Kurt Busch for a while, um, even back in the Stuart Haas days, and they followed him when he left Stuart Haas uh, to go over to Ganassi, or maybe Ganassi to Stuart Haas, but either way. Um, then they followed him over to 2311, Right. And then and after the and after the fall off of Kurt Bush, Monster Energy still stayed with the cup team. And even with Ty Gibbs stepping up to Cup with Monster Energy staying, Monster Energy is still staying with twenty three eleven because of Kurt Bush and the connection with twenty three eleven. And I can see Maybe where they get some on this competition deal between Rowdy and Rowdy Energy and Monster Energy. 
right. Like, how would it come? How, how can Monster Energy step up the cup with Ty and Rowdy Energy being? I mean, you just—that's a conflict of interest in the race shop, right? Because you're putting those energy drinks on the side of your collars. You can't have one car in the shop that gets Castro oil and the other one get uh, Valvoline. It's just, you know, that's not how these race teams work. I don't know. Maybe we stepped off too far. We still got a lot to talk about, especially with Fontana Speedway. So. Anybody want to follow up real quick on the Monster Energy conspiracy that we just fell in? Anybody ever seen the uh, the, uh, the the correlation between Monster Energy's logo and maybe Satanic? <laughs> I hate saying it. <laughs> Come on now, y'all seen that conspiracy, right? Where the Monster Energy calls are actually six 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 in her brick? I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying. You know, Joe Gibbs. Hey, <laughs> I don't have much. Let's move on to Fontana. Farewell, Fontana. Is NASCAR in the real estate business, or are they in the racetrack business? I'm going to start with you, Ms. Lee, because I shared a whole lot of documents that says that NASCAR is actually, they're actually in the real estate business. They just hustle race cars on the side. I'm going to let you start out, Ms. Lee. Well, <clears throat> with the way that... The economy is, and the move towards getting people to move into cities. NASCAR has jumped on board of that, and they're looking at how can they diversify their holdings outside of racing? So when you ask if they're in the real estate business and not the racing business, I would say no, they're in both. I don't know. I'm a little. Yeah. I'm a little tied on this no. one. <laughs> I'm a little, personally, for me, I'm a little tied because I feel like they're more in the real estate business because that's why Chicagoland is out the door. And now that Auto Club is quote unquote condensing from a two mile speedway to now, I think they're saying a half mile short track. Um, because yes, they sold yes, land. Yes. Yeah, that, it, it, let's say how much land they sold. Out of six hundred acres, they sold five hundred and like twenty-one of the acres. So they only left like eighty-two acres for this future racetrack. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's just. So it's like you have. Two tracks, one's basically gone from NASCAR, and the other one had to condense. So it makes you think, are they really in the real estate business? Or 
or are they in the racetrack business? And you can think in the racetrack business side because fans have said more road courses and short tracks, which I don't know why we're throwing the road course deal in there, but hey, that's just me. Um, but I'm on the short, I'm on the side of the short tracks. Um, although they supposedly improved the short track package, which we can get to um, in a bit if we have Damien Tenerary, because I uh, wasn't on to say that they did make changes to the short track package. Yes. But, yeah, we'll try to get to that. Um, well, I think they. I think they chose the wrong track because Auto Club was fine the way it was. But, of course, when money talks, you're going to do what's where the money – you're going to do where the money lies. Yeah, let's put it in context real quick. First of all, 500 and something acres that sold uh, for uh, like a half a billion dollars. All right. Kentucky shut down. It's a, it was a parking lot during the pandemic. Chicago land shut down. They're building warehouses. Uh, Nashville Speedway, right? What what was there? They turned that into a, a practice complex for Yamaha, right? So what happened? It seems like what happened was back in the '90s, NASCAR went around to these uh cities to these towns that were on the very 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 outskirts of these major cities they built infrastructure for these racetracks and from that point on look we've been going to talladega for 14 years 12 years 13 years something like that when we first started going out there there was a couple warehouses out there now my brother it's warehouses everywhere there is industrial is everywhere around Talladega. And it used to not be that way. It used to just be a big, wide, open area with a couple of warehouses down the road by the short track. Guys, I'm telling you, what NASCAR did back in the 90s, and I think that probably, you know, Talladega was built in 1969. It was built perfectly in between Birmingham and, and Atlanta. They purchased this land for pennies on a dollar, and then when the racetrack is no longer usable or or the towns like Chicago and Juliet uh, over in Fontana. Now these are all booming areas, and it's because the infrastructure was built by the taxpayers to put a racetrack there, and industry says, hey, like, now we can get off the interstate. Now we can build big, build, big, big billion-dollar buildings and fill them with stuff and ship things out. So, I mean, you know, to think – from the get-go, NASCAR has always been in the real estate business. Craig, what's your last thoughts on that? Well, NASCAR is going to do what's going to make them the best money, money and make the best sense. Um, selling out 500 and, what was it, 519 acres of land? That, that for a billion-plus dollars? That, that sounds like a real estate move to me. So I think... I think the racing is taking a backseat to their real estate their real estate ventures. I have something to add to this. First of all, who owns most of the tracks? Think about that. I ISC now NASCAR. Right. Second, I have a cautionary tale. 
none of you are from Ohio, but I think most folks have heard of the Richfield Coliseum. It was built in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. It was home to the Cavs and Cleveland's various hockey teams and hosted a whole heck of a lot of uh, rock concerts and whatnot through the years. They built infrastructure. They built interchanges off of the freeway to make easy access. And it sits in ruins now. So nothing so, built around them. No, no, no well, enterprise. It, no, no industrial. It, well, it it has it has changed over the past several years. There is more business building up there now, but it sat empty right. for a good ten or fifteen years. I mean, you you could see the you could see nature retaking the property back. I'll put it that wow. way. Wow. And so they built this so house those, outside of the so city. Those people, those people spent all that money, built all that infrastructure with the same ideas that these guys have in their heads. Maybe it wasn't the best place for it, but it ended up a ruin. So maybe... NASCAR being in the real estate business, quote unquote, is not such a bad thing. Right. But I'm going to also bring up Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Kentucky Speedway. They did right. the, they they did the exact same thing. They built the infrastructure, made it easily accessible right. to the freeway and everything, and there is still nothing there. But we will probably see that. We will probably see Kentucky Speedway demolished within the next couple of years. I agree. I agree. I agree with that. (laughs) Um, All right. So if if this is all about real estate, y'all's next question to me was, Chris, why do you what do you really why do you think it's farewell, Fontana? First of all, I've I, I told you guys, I, you know, listen to DBC, perfect example of it. It's crazy because I picked up on this on Sunday, right? And then the first thing the DBC talks about, and, and y'all know I shared this on Sunday because I used the McDonald's as though, because it just, it dawned on me, right? So then DBC opens up with this. Of course, it's a big story, and I'm not surprised that other people have figured out how big of a story it really is. But, you know, why is it Fontana Farewell? Because because all of the red tape that it takes to build things in, in California, the uh, the ozone and all this, you know, everything is twice as hard and twice as much to do anything in the state of California. And what they have found is they can go rent the Coliseum and they can have a NASCAR race. And the first thing somebody says is, well, it's only an expedi- exhibition race. Guys, we make a point-paying race at Bristol, Right. That shouldn't be a typical NASCAR race, but it is. 
and we figured a way to pay the point. So if y'all think for one minute that California is going to lose a race, y'all are crazy. They're either going to be racing over there in that Rams stadium, that multi-six billion dollar facility that they built that they've already, I think, played two Super Bowls in, or they're going to go and continue to go that slap dab in the middle of Los Angeles at the L.A. Coliseum. You're not going to lose a track. You're not going to lose the market in Southern California. You're just going to move the racetrack. A lot of people said Irwindale, but uh, so it would be a whole lot of infrastructure that they would have to build. That place seats less than 30,000 people. Martins will uh, seat somewhere around between 35 and 40,000 people. Thoughts on that, that there's not going to be another race in Montana, that there's that they they have figured out a way now to take NASCAR inner city, and that's what they're going to do in some of these hard-to-go places, such as Seattle, such as New York City, such as Los Angeles, such as Dallas, Chicago. Texas, Chicago. We figured a way to get into these markets. Thoughts on that? Without having to build a four, five billion dollar stadium. Come on. I can remember when I was a kid. I think it was IndyCar used to come to Cleveland and race at Burke Lakefront Airport, which was a small, at that time, smaller independent airport. And they set up a racetrack on the runways. Oh, my God. I think I remember uh, hearing something about that, Miss Lee. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Um, we will have to check that out for sure. The the one thing, the in, if we had to say goodbye entirely to Auto Club, um, the only two things that come to head – and I'm heavily leaning towards one over the other. And um, the one is Sonoma will have to move um, their normal race date and move it up to the West Coast swing. The other one, the other option is that unless Auto Club returns, if they stay, if they come back as a short track, um, the other option is a possible return of Daytona Road Course, where we run Daytona 500, then do the road course oh. the week after, then head over west. Because honestly, I don't, I just don't, hold on, Chris, I just don't see the Clash being a points-paying race. Because how are you going to fit, you can't fit 40 cars onto the track. We don't do it at Bristol either. Do we? Do we start 36 cars at Bristol? We've there 40 cars at Bristol. Where have you been? Oh, well, I mean, still, it's a simple those that don't race, those that don't make it, you pay them 26 through, right? You take your top 25. 
They finished 26 through 30th. You're the last car that makes you the first place car that didn't make it. It's so simple. It's not, it's not hard to do this. I mean, it's not going to be hard. Look, the fact that we've been going out to California and coming back to Daytona and then going back to California when we're all trying to save costs, that is dumb. We're not going to – look, they're not going to quit going to the LA Coliseum. It's too much of a success, right? So what they're going to do is we're going to open up back at Daytona. The fans have been heard. We're going to have the shootout again. We're going to have the, 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 the races at Daytona, speed weeks like we have. And, and then we're going to go out there and we're going to go to California. We're going to go to that stadium. We're going to go to L.A. Coliseum. We're going to race the race, and then we're going to head over to Las Vegas, just like what we would with Auto Club. That's NASCAR tested the waters for two years to see if they could legit run a race there. We've legit run a race there twice. With exhibition. Now, the next time we go there, it's not going to be an exhibition. But, you know, I could be wrong. Taz, nail me on it. And then we got to get Craig in here, and then we got to go to the next subject. I just, I just can't see LA, the L.A. Coliseum being a points-paying race because only 24 to 27 cars, however they want to field, will run the main event. You can't – I mean, unless they say, well, the B-main finishers get – uh, yeah. get the remaining points, but in a sense, how can you really determine that? Because there's always two B means. So, so what? The sixth place. So say like what? The Have a non-qualifier finisher. Race. Non-qualifiers race, buddy. We do it all the time at a dirt track. But you're. But at that point, if you go down that route, there. The non-qualifiers get the show-up points, but they're not listed no, as you finish 27th, 28th, 29th, or whatever. How can NASCAR do that? I'm sorry. Last chance qualifier, Pat. Last chance qualifier. So what we do is we line them up, and we take everybody that didn't make the race, and that one guy gets to go, and the rest of them finish 26th through 30th through 35th or 40th or whatever. I think, yeah, but- I think, you, would have, I think you would have 45 cars show up. I really do, Taz Taylor. I think you would have 50 cars show up if that's the way you did it because those guys would feel like they had a chance to race their way in. But the last two years at the L.A. Coliseum, they've run two last-chance qualifier B-mains. So how can you tell the first car that's not qualified finishes in that spot because you have, you have two drivers that equally finished in that spot, which, is com- which comes back to the dirt track scene of – um, I'll mention Short Track Super Series for example. They bring in 28 cars to the a, to the A main feature. They don't place the non qualifiers um, from 29th on down. They just say you didn't qualify, but you get show up points, which everyone gets yeah. the same regardless of you finished last in your last chance qualifier, which could be the second one, or you finished third and just missed out by one spot in the first one. I want to stand corrected real quick before we move on and bring Craig into it. Craig, I want you to come in right after this. You may have me in technicality, Taz Taylor, because there's a specific clause that says in order for them to be eligible, they have to participate in every single race. Now, whether or not that is they have to show up to the racetrack or they have to make the A main, I don't know where that line is drawn. But being on the certain rule set that we are, if a team 
between 26th and 36th, those are guaranteed a spot into the main event. Am I right or wrong? So, Taz, you may have me on technicality. Craig. Come All on, right. brother. So, so, information on the Cleveland race, because I was Googling it just as we were talking about it, goes as follows. The last time it was ran that I can tell was 2015. Uh, wow. Let me just go back to, to Google. Uh, yeah, this is an article from July 3rd, 2015. So eight years ago, Danica Patrick received some advice qualifying for the 202 Grand Prix of Cleveland at Burke Lakefront Airport. Um, the race was first held in 82 as the Cleveland 500 and featured the biggest names in racing from A.J. Foyt to Andretti and the fast-rising stars like Mears uh, and Bobby Rahal. The race would prove to be be the site of his Rahal's first career victory and Andretti's last. So, and it was one of the first stops in Danica's racing career, along with current IndyCar champion Will Power. That was from an article written in 2015, obviously. Uh, future and former Indianapolis winners, Fittipaldi, Anser Sr., Jr., Jacques Villeneuve, Juan Pablo, I don't. I like to wreck, Air Dryers, Montoya, Castro Neves, Sullivan, Mears, Rahal, and more would race here by the 25th and last Grand Prix of Cleveland in 2007. So that track has uh, has a story. That that race is a storied race in IndyCar. It started in kart. So that that place has some history. All right. What are your thoughts? Are they going to race back in Fontana, Craig Moore? Or have we figured a way to tap into the Southern California industry without having to build half a billion, four billion, six billion dollar racetracks? Go ahead, because it, no, it costs this much to build to build facilities now. It costs billions of dollars to build a facility. Craig Moore, they'll race back there. Um, it might be in in two years, but mark my words, they'll race back there. Uh, as far as your comment about making the L.A. Coliseum a points-paying race, it, it's only a matter of time. They wanted to do something that was cost-effective for team owners. That's why they built this new car. Well, going to the West Coast and then coming back to the East Coast and going back to the West Coast is not – I don't see how it's profitable. So NASCAR must be eating the cost Bingo. somewhat. Yeah. They've got to be eating the cost somewhat uh, because these little teams just can't do it. So there has to be like a tax incentive, like how businesses get tax tax incentives for building in a certain area for a amount of time. I bet you NASCAR has something built into this to give them an incentive. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's a beautiful backdrop at Auto Club Speedway. I'm going to miss that racetrack. I remember it was not very long ago that I watched an IndyCar race uh, from that facility, and it was no more than 5,000 people in the stands, but that was one of the best damn IndyCar races I've ever watched in my life. Uh, We watched several major wrecks and stuff. Uh, Denny Hamlin 
uh, if I remember correctly, uh, broke his back uh, in a spectacular crash, high speeds of Auto Club Speedway. It was one of these racetracks on the circuit. I remember a time when everybody rode around the top, and then next thing you know, a few years ago, they found that you could run down on the bottom, and that really opened up uh, the racetrack to be a five-wide facility. Look, the five-wide salute just showed how how massive that place was and is. Well, it, it, it was, uh, now speaking in retrospect, uh, but – you know, when we were at Daytona and you couldn't go three wide, right? So, I mean, it just it just shows um, that that place was built by the greatest uh, captain in the world, of course, Roger Penske. And anything Penske touches or lays his hand on is going to be magnificent. That's 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 what Penske does. Um, but uh, it's good, it's, you know, probably one of the beautiful, most beautiful sceneries at any racetrack in the world. Uh, and it's just, it's, you know, we're, I'm going to miss the place. Like, I know it was hated by so many for so long, and it was a cookie-cutter racetrack. But one thing that we found about these cookie-cutters was if you leave the pavement alone for 19 years, uh, it turns out to be a pretty good racetrack. Any final thoughts on that, guys? Nope. I don't have any. Right. Y'all caught me by surprise on that. Taz, you good? The only Ed, I, just touch, oh, okay. I just want to touch on this quick. The only um, the only way I can see the LA Coliseum work as a points race, and I'll try to explain this as quick as possible, is if they for, if they talk to Travis Pastrana and formulate how to make um, your non qualifiers be placed from like the first non-qualifier to last or however so with nitro rally cross essentially they have two heat races because they only get about like 15 16 cars um but nascar could somehow follow this they so anyways two heat races uh the top two from each heat race move on to the main event feature then they run what's called the semifinals. um they run two of those races Top two out of those, out of each one of those races, go into the A main feature. Everyone else runs an LCQ, and they usually either take the winner or the top two, and they qualify for the A main. Only reason why I know this is because I've been watching that for the last week. But that would, and then the last, and then the last chance qualifier uh, drivers who didn't make the cut are literally listed as. Um, either 10th, 11th, 12th, or 11th, 12th, 13th, uh, depending on how many cars uh, Rallycross kind of takes. So unless NASCAR follows that through, I don't see it for, for happening as a points race. But LA Coliseum, but Fontana, it sucks that a good cookie-cutter track is going to become a short track. I just hope that their short track deal of what they're talking about is looking like can become a success. All right. So that's going to lead us to the next uh, topic. And it's uh, kind of, we, we blew right past the side of the day. And I'm looking, I shared some, uh, some status of the day, but uh, TV numbers seem to be on the rise, not just in 
uh, NASCAR uh, Cup Series, but also the numbers were on the rise for the ARCA and uh, the Xfinity Series. Is it working, guys? We'll start with you, Craig. Are TV numbers on the rise? I believe so. Um, I will say this that if California was sold out, where the hell was everybody? Down in the fan zone? It was cold, um, man. Cal- man, you got to know people from California. It was cold. It was snowing the day before. Uh, and, yeah. and also, one of those things, we've been at Talladega when it's been sold out and there's still empty seats. And what we asked the the people that have you know been there longer than us was, why are those empty seats? And they said that some uh, executives like Exxon, Instead of buy seats, and not not everybody attends. Like they buy seats for their employees, they pass the tickets out, and some go and some don't. So you know that that's a big possibility uh, as well. But and that's our numbers on the rise, Craig Moore. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see stats to compared to when. Okay, here you go. Before. I found one. Additional okay. Daytona weekend NASCAR numbers. Truck, one one million twenty seven thousand viewers for the non weather delay portion. Last year's non non delayed telecast drew one and one million sixteen thousand. ARCA was up twelve percent. Uh eight hundred eight hundred thousand forty six uh this year up from seven hundred and fifty eight thousand last year. Xfinity up Fourteen percent, a one point six eight six million people uh, from a one point four million people uh, in twenty twenty two. I have reasons to believe that there's there's a significant increase in Xfinity and trucks and ARCA because of one important move that NASCAR did five years ago. Okay, expound. They they eliminated cup drivers from being able to come in, and now you are getting the you are reaping you are reaping the benefits of these series having their own drivers, man, having their own identity. It's paying off. People want to see what's going on in the Xfinity series because because cup drivers are not ruining it for everybody. We're seeing the truck series. ARCA has been ripped of every piece of good talent they have. Now they're getting a great talent in Derek McGrew Jr. And, and, and Mason Diaz is a really good driver. Outside of the people that we've had on the show, a lot of sucky ARCA drivers, okay? Right? And sorry, Ms. Lee, I don't really mean this. I'm just being overdramatic. But at the same time, you know, look, the numbers are up in all four series outside the club. Why is that? It's because they have made a name for themselves, and people are interested in seeing what's going on in the Xfinity, what's going on in the truck series, what's going on in ARCA. You put all those numbers together, and we're a lot higher in, in viewership than what we've given ourselves credit for when we're comparing ourselves to college game day football on, on Saturday night or an NFL Sunday night game. Thoughts? I agree, right. now that they have their own identity. All right. I'm going to chime in here as far as 
okay, these these numbers are great, but you know what I want to see are the numbers when you have races on Fox Sports 2 or when we switch to NBC and then races are on USA and CNBC. And people don't have those channels necessarily in their streaming packages. I was a victim of that this past weekend. I could not watch the Xfinity race because it wasn't part of the package that I have. And I pay more money than I have to get the basics so I can watch the races. You know, and everybody's struggling these days. So I'm interested to see how these numbers are going to change later in the season when they start going to the more obscure channels and what viewership is going to look like. Because people are struggling to put food on their tables. They can't afford to pay extra to get these extraneous channels that they wouldn't necessarily watch if it weren't for Yeah, Fox Sports 2 being, you know, the, the – the main perpetrator here, like who has Fox Sports Two? I haven't found anybody with a cable package that has Fox Sports Two. Exactly, but the same Fox. problem the same problem exists when we switch to NBC mid season. Because, right, because they you may not have USA or, or right. Practice on C N B C right? <laughs> exactly. And who watches and C N B C that's going to be interested in watching a, a, a race or qualifying. I mean, come right, on. Right, right. And, and when we found out, hey, they're supposed to have got a practice on today, and you go to the main channels and they're not there, and then you're having a panic and you're like, where is it, where is it? So you're surfing through your TV guide and you happen to find it on CNBC. Most people are not going to go through that type of effort, Miss Lee, to find that that type of viewership. Exactly. And it reminds me of the days of TNN and, and, and those days where you would have a race on CBS and then you'd have a race on ABC and then you'd have TNN and TBS. And so you never really knew where the race was going to be found at. And they fixed that in the great boom of NASCAR in the 2000s, right? Because it was always on Fox Sports Net. I mean, it was always on Fox Sports. It was always on Fox TV, Fox the the main channel and or it was going to be on tnt and espn so those were those were the other outlets that and and they were very capable uh cable channels everybody had tnt everybody had espn everybody had fox network so you know it's since that era where we started putting it over on fx and we put it on Fox, you know, when Fox Sports One, because Fox Sports One's only been around uh, for about six or seven years. So there was a, there was something before Fox Sports One. That's where they dumped all these races at uh, in this package. As a matter of fact, you won't even get but one or two truck races a year on the actual network side of Fox. So I believe the numbers are on the rise. I believe a lot of it has to do with identity and i think that nascar made this push five six years ago by getting the cup guys out of this out of the filler series out of the feeder series 
and now we're seeing some identity. I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited about what's going on in the Xfinity Series between John Hunter Nemechek, Justin Algier, Josh Berry, and uh, um, uh, oh my gosh, Cole Custer, right? That's your four big guys, man. I mean, <clears throat> look, they're going to put the show on every weekend, and uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Because, obviously, Cole Custer uh, was good enough to win before in the Xfinity Series. He's going to be good enough to win again. Uh, Cole Custer is not uh, a bum talent. Maybe he's not a cup driver. Maybe he's, uh, he, you know, he's going to – maybe he'll find his spot in Xfinity, or maybe he'll get the cup pull again. But either way, Cole Custer has enough talent to become a good race car driver and to be a winner – it maybe not so much in the Cup Series if he doesn't have the right opportunity or the money behind it. Um, but the, the Truck Series, of course, with Matt Crafton still there, you know, it's kind of the mixture between the old man series and the young guys who are uh, developmental drivers. Um, what a great place to be able to learn how to race, right, is with a guy like Matt Crafton who says, hey, you know, stay the hell away from me out there on that racetrack because, you know, you're a freaking rookie and you're running all over me, right? And so um, those guys get to find out real quick uh, when they're racing veterans uh, such as Matt Crafton. Um, any other thoughts on the numbers being on the rise as we move to our SRX topic and as we get ready for a black flag checker flag? Stat of the day, stat of the day. That's coming up next. Stat of the, stat of the day. Uh, any other thoughts? No, I got no. All right. All right. Let's talk about the SRX series, the senior racing tour. Taz Taylor, there's been some news in the SRX series. Tell us about it. Um, no, a few days ago, this should come as no surprise to anybody, and it didn't serve as a surprise to me. Uh, Co-founder and 2021 inaugural SRX champion, Tony Stewart, has announced he'll be racing the full six-race season for 2023. You know Oh, yeah, I know. You know, don't be so shocked that you got to jump out of your chair there, Craig. I I know. I know you're jumping of joy. (laughs) Um, Jesus Christ. Give give this seat up to somebody new. Anyway, um, IndyCar drivers announced this morning – um, the returning 2022 champion Marco Andretti announces he'll be defending his championship by running the full 2023 schedule, along with running also running full time. Returning for year number three is Paul Tracy, and returning for full time for his second year is Ryan Hunter Ray. Tony Kanan is scheduled to run three races. Those three are Stafford, Thunder Road, and Eldora Speedways. And Joseph, we already know about Helio Castroneves is um, running part-time as well. Uh, Motor Mile, Berlin, and Lucas Oil Speedway, the dirt track. And then Joseph Newgarden will return to SRX for one race, and that will be at Motor Mile Speedway. Yeah, baby, excited. And uh, so, you know, we got some return of the IndyCar guys. Marcus 
Marco Andretti is going to try to defend his title. Tony Stewart gives this seat up to somebody else. I agree. Uh, he's racing full-time in the NHRA. Uh, so we'll see if he's even alive then. I can try to put that on Tony Stewart, but man, oh man, uh, when they when they when NHRA crashes, it's it's at 300 miles an hour. So uh, ask John Forbes. I mean, you know, we we, we just hope Tony's not. Uh, yeah, this is it's almost this is as ballsy as Jimmy Johnson going to race full time in IndyCar. Like I don't know why we haven't spotlighted. Uh, uh, Tony Stewart and the announcement of him going full-time in NHRA. But, hey, you know what? Uh, if there's anything left of him, I guess uh, we'll see if what he's got in the tank for stock car racing. Hey, Tony's been able to do this his whole life, you know, uh, juggle many things at one time. I, I'm a, I, I victimize my own self doing way too much. Like, when I start, like, really seeing all my different hobbies and all the different things that I do throughout the week, I'm very uh, surprised in my own self at uh, how much I'm able to actually uh, uh, take care of. I, I know other people at this panel. Greg, you, you, you're a guy of many, many trades and many Look, I've seen you probably go through probably about 10 jobs uh, in your full-time world. But, hey, one thing about Greg Moore, he's going to have a job. It doesn't matter that he may not have the same job three months later, but he's going to have a job. And it's great that you uh, shared that news about uh, becoming part of the family there at the radio station. I really, Craig, uh, uh, without going too far into this, I know that's your calling. I know that's where you're supposed to be. And I've always felt that from day one uh, from meeting you. And I'm super happy that not only are you getting the experience of being in that radio station, man, but you're getting to do it with somebody you love, and that's your dad, man. I'm I'm, I'm freaking. I don't want to say I'm jealous because I don't. I don't believe in that, that kind of word or terminology when you're 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 talking good about something. So uh, I just uh, I want to tell you, man. I I I wish I could be in your shoes and, and enjoy something like that with my pops. Uh, uh, my dad, you know, he's a truck driver, and so I'd have to be go be a truck driver, and uh, I just really don't want to do that. So if my dad was as cool as your dad. <laughs> Maybe I'll just come live with you and call him dad myself. All right. So that's enough of the lovey-dovey shit. And, oh, a little quarter for the jar. We finally had, it took us all day to say a cup here. So uh, how about that? No, I uh, said one earlier. Oh, crap. So there's another quarter in there. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. So, uh, oh, man, we have come. So real quick, round. before we move on, yeah. the stat of the day, huh. I think it would have been, I think it would have been a cool segue. We were talking about rises. What about Derek McGrew Jr. getting a developmental deal with Rise Motorsports for the ARCA series? That's uh, We've yeah. had that kid on a few times. Yeah, I put him in black flag, checker flag, but I didn't expect anybody to throw the black flag. That's one of those guaranteed checkered flag. It's cool that we've uh, been talking to this kid since he was like 12 years old or something, and so does yeah. Dan Rise. Uh, you know, hey, if if we could just begin to tell you the talent that we've actually interviewed here uh, through the 110 Nation and, and Race Chat Live and all the other shows, Big Sweat and, and Dirt Dirt Talk Hour and all that other, all the other shows that have been through here, man, we've talked to the biggest names in racing. I mean, look at Hannah Newhouse, man. And, and to think that, you know, I've worked next to a guy named Jason Schultz who's, you know, like some big guy at, at Dirty Mo Racing, you know? 
Um, it's crazy, uh, Craig and Miss Lee and Taz. I mean, you know, you've, you've been uh, here for, uh, I think, four or five seasons now. So you, you definitely uh, are going to start seeing the things that uh, those of us have, have watched over the years, man. I mean, you start naming the names, Bubba Wallace, Noah Gregson, uh, Hannah Newhouse. Um, I interviewed you know, Ben Rhodes live. You know, that's, it's so cool that we've been able to tap in and, and, and you know, uh, talk to these guys before they become the stars that they are. You know, it's just it's an amazing opportunity uh, to, to, to be on this journey and, and to have you guys as a part of it as well. Um, stat of the day. We've been talking a lot of brotherhood and sisterhood around here. So it's kind of. It's right on time. The start of the day uh, is about two brothers, as a matter of fact. They become the winningest driver, uh, brother combo, in NASCAR uh, Cup Series, uh, with Kyle Busch having 61 wins and Kurt Busch uh, with 34 wins, uh, equaling out to 95 wins. I believe they topped the Allison brothers for that stat. With Donnie Allison having 11, and I believe uh, Bobby Allison having 83, but Bobby will tell you he actually has 84. So that's a whole other story. And if you know anything about NASCAR, you already know it. So, um, start of the day, start of the day, start of the day. All right. Uh, quick prediction. Will we see Kurt Busch in the Cup Series? This season. If he knows what's best for him, he'll stay away. He, he as a driver. So Carl I mean, Edwards. Does Carl Edwards give him a call and say, hey, buddy, as tough as it is? Because Dale Jr. sure as hell can't make that phone call. Uh, Carl Edwards got it. pussy whipped into quitting. Okay. <laughs> His wife is a neurosurgeon, so I don't know about that, but yeah. But yeah, no, Carl Carl got pussy whipped into quitting, and regardless <laughs> of, of his wife's status, okay? Um, <laughs> she's a smart woman, but yeah, no. I don't see Kurt coming back as a driver. Um, and, and I think I said that last year. Um, you know, as, as far as he's concerned, as far as his health, he needs to be in a managerial role, whether it's a driver coach or, you know, working on, on public relations and, and, and looking for sponsors. I think he's best off in, in some type of, of back stage role. And and I say that out of love and concern because I like Kurt. And I I I don't want to see anything worse happen to him. And I and I say that I, I when I say that I mean that for all drivers. I know the dangers of that base. 
but when you've had an injury like that, it's time to evaluate, reevaluate. And when it's time to step back, and, and let's face it, Kurt wasn't winning all that much either. It's time for him to take a, a a backstage role, I think. And that may be okay for those that have found something to settle down with in life and have created a new beginning. And Dale Jr., perfect example, you know, he was he was a wild child, and then he met Amy, and things changed, right? Now he's a father, and he's this icon, this guru, uh, this um, media module, uh, that he is today, but does Kurt Bush have that capability, or is he in his own mind always just a race car driver? Because he's definitely not taking a back seat to the sport. This guy is showing up every weekend at the racetrack. He's up in the pit box. Kurt Bush is not trying. He, he's trying to show people he's not going to be run out of the sport. And I think that says a lot about who Kurt Bush is. And he doesn't have a family to go home to. He doesn't have kids to go home to. Racing is Kurt Bush's life, and that's what he's done. So right. you're, and, you know, and, and you that, hear the horror and, stories from Jerry Nadu and Dick Trickle and Rusty Wallace, even the depression that they that they experienced because they were no longer in the sport that they loved, and you know, uh, it's it's terrifying. I think for Kurt Bush. No, and 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 that's why I'm saying he should not step back from racing. He should just not be racing. But there are many other roles for him to take. Yeah, I, I could see I could see Kurt Busch going and running another Indy 500 um, if if they don't if they don't let him back in NASCAR. Um, I see several of these drivers going that route because they are capable of getting funds to do it, right? Like, if you're able to land the money to go and run the Indy 500 like Kyle Larson has uh, been able to, which is a black flag, checker flag. Um, So let's open it with that. Black flag, checker flag, Kyle Busch. I mean, Kyle Busch. Kyle Larson. Uh, Two-year deal to run the Indy 500. I want to see him do it. I Kyle Larson is amazing no matter what he's driving and so that they've been able to to pull together a package and and do it next year. I'm excited. Yes. Black Black Checker Flag 2 starts coming up for Kyle Larson including a practice this year. Checker, checker, checkered. There's more. Black flag, checker flag. Checker flag. All right. All right, so uh, Derek McGree, I mean, who can black flag that? I just hope, I, like I said, I hope some of these other drivers follow past and try to make themselves more universal uh, in the driving because that's going to be what, Wait until we have an NASCAR driver that says, I'm going to go race Formula One. The whole world is going to come upside down. But I think that's what Keelan is, is on stage for, and we've already discussed that here. Let's stay on top. Derek McGrew, 
going to Rise Motorsports. I give it a checker flag. I'm just not so sure about the – it's great of the experience, not too sure about the team. Uh, Craig, I, you know you know, little McGrew. Come on. Yeah, I think it's great for him personally. Professionally, I tend to agree with you. Um, but That's if they can provide him the – if they can provide him the equipment, then it's all good, um, you know. And they and they give him a fair shake, and that's exactly what he deserves. The kid's a hell of a wheel man, um, so we'll just have to see what happens. Yes. I wish him the best. I mean, hey, sometimes your first ride ain't always the greatest ride, but you that's always right. try to make that's the best right. of it. And right. uh, I just hope, I just hope that they put them on uh, at least one uh, dirt race. That way, there, you know, he can really show uh, his some of his full potential. But the I don't know what his asphalt uh, experience is like. So I hope he's uh, studying up on that eye racing. All right, uh, Miss Lee, you're a big fan of well, Arthur. I I obviously hope kid the best. Rise Motorsports is a young team, so you know it's hopefully for him a good experience. He's based, so I know he'll take it for what it's worth and and do well with it. He's a good kid. Right. Um, hopefully, other teams will take notice of him. Right. Bring home the equipment. That's what Derek Nabru needs to do. Bring home the equipment. Take care. Take care of the ride. Um, and and it'll and it'll pay him dividends later on. Boo the bow. Black flag. Checker flag. Boo the bow. You got to boo the bow. That is what Kyle Bush is. If you don't boo the bow, you don't give him the energy that he needs to come out and put an ass whoop on everybody. And if you're going to be a Kyle Bush fan, you still need to boo the bow. Black flag, checker flag. Miss Lee, you get it. I actually was so surprised at the fan reaction this weekend. And I was taken aback because I did not hear a single boo. Um, so it makes me wonder how has fan perception, Kyle Bush, changed with the team change? Were they cheering Kyle? Were they cheering the team? Were they were they cheering the change? They got their Dale Earnhardt back. That's all I'm gonna say. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna cut this out and I'm gonna plaster it everywhere. They got their Dale Earnhardt back. Craig Moore, what is your thoughts? Black flag, check the flag. You got to boo the bow. You got to. You got to boo the bow. 
Yeah, they didn't boo. That kind of like, that shocks me to no end. So uh, I have to give the fan reaction a, a black flag. I was, I was hoping they would be consistent. I, too, was wondering what they were cheering. Were they cheering for Kyle or were they cheering for the change that he made? They got there. So maybe he was the reincarnation. I don't know. I don't think he's old enough to be. But but there again, we haven't seen a driver as controversial as dynamic. <laughs> Gordon was a he was a mess pool of of quietness and 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 and, and vanilla, right? Like it stirred us up when he when he got we'd never seen an altercation with Jeff Gordon when he went when Clint when it was him and Clint Boyer and stuff. I mean, come on, Jimmy Johnson never got into confrontation. Kyle Busch has lived in it, man. Swimmed in it. He has taken it and made it his bow. You've got to boo the bow. Pass. Black flag, checker flag. You got to boo the bow. Black flag to the fan reaction because even I booed the bow and I respect him as a driver, but I'm no fan of Kyle Busch. <laughs> you got to boo the bow. You got to. What do you think about that? Boo the bow. You got to boo the bow. It's like Daisy 19. <laughs> <laughs> every year we get a every year we get a certain phrase. I think I think boo the bow is uh, is the phrase that we'll be looking for for 2023. You got to boo the bow. Anybody else? Anybody else on the panel? <laughs> I think we've heard from everybody. All right, the next one is Karakoga Creek under new management. I don't know what the hell is going on here, but anytime you got new management, it must have been bad management. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I heard from I heard from, I heard from Ashley Allen, I believe it was, Thursday, and uh, she said, hey, Craig, do me a favor, keep this under your hat, but Sunday we have a meeting with Caroga Creek, and we're talking about taking over the promoter's role, and I said, I won't say a word, you let me know, so they made it official on Sunday afternoon that um, they, Rob and Ashley Allen of Allen Racing, have signed the paperwork to be the new promoters at Caroga Creek. Apparently, the last promoter um, left the place pretty much a, I'll deposit a quarter in the in the jar, a shithole, and there's a lot of work to be done that they're starting on immediately um, to get it up and running so that way they can start something at the end of April. They have a new logo that was designed for them today. Um, they'll have it up on the site if they don't already. But they are planning on doing more than just hosting races there. Um, when they don't have races in the off season, they are planning on doing some other things. So we'll have to see once we have once I have more definitive information. We'll have to see if we can't get them on, so that way they can talk about what they got planned. But the more I know, when I know more, I will 
Black, um, black flag, black flag, checker flag, Taz. And don't say you like the old promoters. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to leave it as checker flag. I hope the best for the Allens and Kuroga. Yeah, nothing yet. Um, <laughs> I know they're going to be up. I know they're going to be up against uh, a little bit of competition with them running on Fridays because Dodge City also runs on Friday nights. But uh, like I said, I wish Dodge them City. the best. And I wish them the best, and uh, I hope they get as much success. I hope they reach the success that they are ideally planning for, and. I'll just right. leave it at that. Miss Lee, we don't know nothing about Karakoga. We couldn't find it on the map, but I guarantee you, you got to check her flag for it, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I wish them the best. <laughs> All right. All right. Good deal. Look, I, the next one we we kind of hit on, I want to move my theory up real quick. That's the blank spot. I know you've been waiting all night. What is Chris's big prediction? And I want the black flag, check her flag. Joe Gibbs will be non-existent in five years. That's that's my belief. Like the loss of Coy, the loss of uh, what was the what was the other son? I mean, he's lost both sons. Unless Joe Gibbs finds somebody to run his company, his family company, family-run company, then we may be seeing the end of Joe Gibbs Racing, and that may be why we've seen an uptick in Toyota's uh, search for the next TRD team. Uh, black flag, checker flag on that theory. Anybody? Start. Well, that's that's an interesting point. But I think as long as Ty wants to race, Joe Gibbs is going to keep going. I think Joe Gibbs will sell to somebody, and that enterprise will be handed over uh, to somebody outside the family. Uh, But, uh, Taz, black flag, checker flag to that theory. Mm, I give it it both. I can see him selling it, but with Miss... I was checker. I was just checker flag. Then Miss Lee sold me on the uh, on the whole. If Ty Gibbs is running, then I don't see Coach Gibbs right, leaving. Right, 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 right. right. Craig, that's a good point. Uh, I, was in the I agree with you, Chris. I agree with you, Chris. Um, it'll be gone within five, six years. Right, right. Because there's nobody to pass it to. So it, you better sell while the value is good. Uh, Xfinity on Fox Sports 2, well, I'll give no, a black but, wh- Hold on. <laughs> hold on, though. Whoa. Hold on. A, boat rock on that a woman can make you turn around in the middle and interstate heading in the opposite direction before you even ask why. Yes, Miss Lee. <laughs> hold on. Who says that Ty can't be groomed to take over the team as a leader. You know, I yeah. don't think they have I mean, enough time. 
Well, you, you know what? You may have a point there, Craig. You're, you're right, but I they won't be the powerhouse they are, but I wouldn't necessarily put them out of the scene totally. You know, Ty's doing the racing thing now, but who's to say that behind the scenes he's not being taught the business side too? I believe Austin Dillon is on the RCR side, and I think we're seeing that with, exactly. the, with this Kyle Bush thing. I think we're really seeing the intertwines of who the future of RCR really is. Being right. Austin Dillon was able to bring over Kyle Bush, and it's been admitted in the press that that's how it happened. Exactly. So who's to say that the same thing's not happening over there? Yeah. Uh, that's a lot for a 19-year-old kid. And it's a lot to have lost his father, and it's a lot to – what was the other brother's name? Why hasn't it come to mind yet? Um, I, I don't understand his name. Not Bo. Bo Biden is the is, – uh, I don't know. What is his name? What is his name? Because they died of the same type of cancer. Oh, man, what is his name? Coy. No, not Coy. Coy's the one that just passed Coy away. Coy and uh, J- wasn't it J.D.? Yeah, J.D. J.D., yes, yes. JD that's right. That's right. They both were race car drivers at one point in time. Neither one of them uh, worked out. Joe Gibbs is pushing in his 80s, y'all. He's not going to be able to do day-to-day operations, uh, again, like he was 20, 25 years ago. The reason why Joe Gibbs has been this turnover house of excellent drivers is because there was infrastructure from within the family. Like, they didn't have to hire outside people. Joe Gibbs was like, hey, I'm rich and famous coach, but we all like to go to races, so I'm going to build this empire in racing to give my family something that they can go do because if not, they're all just going to be rich, poor kids and spend all my money. So we might as well go have fun spending my money, and that's where Joe Gibbs' operation comes from. Remember, Joe but don't Gibbs forget this Don't forget, guys. Don't forget, guys. The women in the family are also part of Joe Gibbs Racing. Very so true. From the and we die. Kelly, Kelly Earnhardt has definitely been capable of running a multi-billion dollar company. So um, a, at least a multi-million dollar And she's on the board for Brandt, and they are a multi-billion dollar company. So... Uh, and she also was on the board of directors with NASCAR. So, yes, uh, without without question, certain talents within the company of Joe Gibbs Racing that could carry this over uh, to the next uh, to the next generation. Last, because we've got to get to the pretenders, contenders, and favorites. Um, uh, of course, Chevy. Chevy seems to be the beneficiary in this Kyle Busch sweepstakes. Black flag, checker flag, Miss Lee. Yeah, they they definitely performed. And if you if you look at the top ten, I think um wasn't Hamlin the only Toyota in the top ten this week? So yeah. Chevy is up there. Chevy's a big beneficiary in the sweepstakes. Craig Moore, 
Flag, flag, checker flag. Checker flag. Taz Taylor, flag, flag, checker flag. Checkers. I, I mean, short term. Look, I'm going to get a black flag. We are thinking short term here. Tyler Reddick is the future of NASCAR. We basically traded Tyler Reddick for Kyle Busch. The short term is going to be excellent. Kyle Busch will be a so-so driver in three to four years. Okay. Uh, he just broke a 28-race winless streak. He's been on the downfall for the last three years or two years at least. At least two years he's been on the downside of his career. Um, Tyler Reddick, the future is very bright for that kid. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, pass the break, short-term, Chevy won, yeah. In the long-term, Tyler Reddick, stealing him from RCR is still the bigger the bigger news in my in my book. I know, I know, big Cowboys fan, uh, not really, whatever. I, 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 I turn real quick on what, uh, what I believe. So, hey, you know, uh, it is what it is. Let's get to uh, Taz Taylor. We've got pretenders, contenders, and favorites. Or underdogs. Underdogs. No, it's underdogs. Favorites, favorites, contenders, underdogs. Okay. Favorites, contenders, and underdogs. All right. And for Las Vegas. The Vegas odds are out. Yeah. So for Las Vegas this week, I listed three drivers in each category based upon stats and how each driver is currently performing. Um, yes, I looked at odds too, but I'm kind of throwing that out the window because I feel like the odds have been whacked the last two weeks because they've thrown drivers and high odds that shouldn't have been high odds. So, with that being said, I have these three as favorites. Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch. Contenders. Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick. Underdogs, Noah Gregson, Chris Buescher, and Chase Briscoe. Anybody want to add to any one of those three lists? Yeah, I think that uh, we're forgetting Ross Chastain. Uh, On the, for sure, favorites. Uh, The uh, definitely a contender would be Ryan Blaney. We've got to have him there. Martin Truex Jr., right? I mean, uh, if we're on comeback players of the year, Martin Truex Jr. won the very first race of the season. It was exhibition race. Can he get the monkey off his back and become, uh, you know, a Cup Series winner again uh, in a non-exhibition race? And also, we're going up on the top side up here. Alex Bowman is a top-shelf racer, right? He, he loves to hang it up on the high side. So, uh uh, I think we're overlooking him. Now, on the back side of this, I believe Eric Jones uh, should be looked at as an underdog. Austin Dillon should be considered an underdog. And last but not least, another guy by the name of Austin, Austin Kendrick. Because you know what? Penske finds a way. And right, none, so of you mentor, none of you, neither of you mentioned Suarez. Look at there. Suarez is a contender or an underdog? I think he's a contender. There you go. 
All right. So I have Logano, Truex, Bush, Chastain listed as favorites. Keselowski, Hamlin, Harvick, Blaney, Bowman, and Suarez as contenders. Gregson, Busher, Briscoe, Jones, Austin Dillon, and Sindrick as underdogs. Any last roll call for drivers that we may have missed that could fit in any one of those lists? I, I'm sure Craig Moore's got a couple, right? Especially on that underdog side, because you've been the man at picking the underdogs. Um, no, actually, I don't have an underdog pick. Not, not an AJ Allmendinger or a Ryan Green. Well, I think I think Dinger will get a win before Priest does. But you've been on this Ricky Stenhouse shade for two weeks too, so what about him? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. All right. I might yeah, have to add on, but if you if you think we missed somebody, let us know, but you don't have to add on. Now, you don't have to add on now, Craig. But but let's be serious here. I don't even think we named this week's winner. No, we didn't touch this week's winner. I'll have yeah. next week. I'll have this week's winner in my pick tomorrow at at eight o'clock. I'll put my pick in today. <laughs> I'm a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better send yours in now. Um, can I, uh, listen, I don't want to hear Chris bitch no more. So I'll throw another. <laughs> put his friggin' pick in. It's not fair he didn't get his pick in this week. He didn't get his well, flowers, he, no, even though his, no, he got, even no, though his he flowers got, were dead, he didn't got, get them. No, everyone got their picks in. I somehow overlooked Chris by accident when I went from the list I wrote down to posting it on the Race Chat Live page. Oh. Okay, so nobody named Christopher Bell. Are we really going to overlook that guy? Nobody named Tyler Reddick. Nobody named Bell, nobody named Reddick, and nobody named Larson. Man, oh man. But hey, we can leave leave the list as is. I'll leave the list as is. But I mean, you can vote for whoever the hell you want to vote for. And I, like I said, I, I just said, we, we did, the guy who wins the race is probably not on this list. So we'll leave the list as is because we named a lot of good drivers there at the end. And there's still several good drivers that I that we haven't even mentioned as well. It's Las Vegas, baby. Let's gamble. So real quick, uh, there was a mention about the rule package. Taz, you want to put that in real quick? <clears throat> Oh, yes, the short track package. Um, NASCAR makes short track slash road course rule package official. We'll now go to a two-inch spoiler and the removal of three diffuser strakes and engine panel strakes will lead to a 30% reduction in downforce. But this will not be used at Bristol or Dover. So all courses with wet weather package. All right. Before we get to the sponsors, uh, let's ask 
Did what did you learn today, Ms. Lee? Did you learn anything? I learned, no. I learned that I need to learn from you guys every week. Greg Moore, what did you learn this week? He's already gone. (laughs) What did you learn this week? (laughs) Well, I learned something from Chris. If we're going to make the L.A. Coliseum a points race, you need to follow the Nitro Rallycross circuit. And I'll list how you can do it. It can be done. I'll list that in the group chat of how it can be done. All right. All right, sponsors. All right. We want to thank our sponsors that make the 110 Nation roll, Phoenix Fitness, Bears, Bullish Market Talk Group, and Carolina Sports Plus. Of course, more to music. Yellow Caution Flag Productions, TNT Designs. And I do believe that's it. If I missed anybody, I do apologize. If you missed. Thank you, Mr. C.H. Sports, for allowing us to do this weekend we got, man. Great show, y'all. See you next If you miss our show live on Blog Talk Radio, you can catch us on Blog Talk Radio, of course, podpage.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening along to Race Chat Live. We'll see you all at the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. NASCAR pool opens up tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. So send in those picks. Good night. Sorry, sad about music. It's not going to work. Have a great night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.